backboard banter on the board with your host matt middleton and kevin rayner where the banter's as ferocious as the denver nuggets man they are dominating this playoffs and i did not see them sweeping the lakers but you know your boy had them making the, the finals gotta remind everybody that matt has been with this team for you know this whole playoff run me over here as a fan of this team since the bubble I'm ecstatic, man. It's it's so great for this team to make it to their first NBA Finals. The fact that the conversation right now is, are we retel- are we retiring Melo's number? Are we retiring Jokic's number? Who's the better 15? Spoiler alert, it's Jokic. Man, what a what a banger time for for Denver fans right now. Dude, um their first NBA Finals ever um Jamal Murray looking like that dude as the second star. I mean, averaging 32, 6, and 5 on 50, 40, 50, yeah, 50, 40, 90 split. Like, being the first guy to do that in the conference final, um, he could have easily won the the uh, Magic Johnson Award. Like, you just gotta, unbelievable. Got to remember the name of these awards now, right? We can't just have conference finals. Either way. Pretty pretty epic time. We'll we'll talk into this series a little bit more, but I'm pretty over happy. I'm pretty happy over here with my 2-0 start. I expected the 2-0 start from the Nuggets, but I'm with you. I was also not expecting that sweep. I was expecting the Lakers to to put in some work, but as we'll discuss later, a 38 year old LeBron who's apparently still in his prime was not enough. Bro, on one leg, and this man couldn't get it done. Ugh, it is just it's it's sad to see, but. We'll talk about them a little bit later when we get to those series. I do want to talk about our Raptors, man, because, you know, like, even though they're, they're in the offseason, everything's kind of slowed down, there's still a lot of options and, and things in the air for this roster, and especially with where the draft lottery landed and the fact that, you know, that number three overall pick could be very much in play. They were willing to offer us the seven pick last year for OG Ananobi, um, what would they offer the third pick for? I mean, I'd give them Pascal Siakam for it personally. Matt and I were looking back at, you know, old podcast episodes. We realized that, you know, 129 was the gold episode. Matt's talking about Denver. I'm over here dreaming about somehow if Portland can move up, we can trade Pascal because, you know, you think about what's going to happen with Portland with them basically agreeing that, you know, Dame wants in, he wants to stay, he doesn't want to go anywhere, so we need to get him a star. They want a power forward, they want a small forward. Who's available, right? That's the conversation. Who's available? And if the Raptors want it, we have the best options on the market right now, whether that's Siakam, which is what we want, or OG, which is the less happier choice for, for you and me. Yeah, and I think, yeah, I think we both would prefer the Siakam move. Um, and, like, we can make the salaries work. Like, uh, Jeremy Grant coming back with the third pick for Pascal Siakam in the 13th. Like, I think that's a very fair trade. The salaries would work. Um, and it would put our team in a completely different direction. Yeah. Um, and I think that you and I have talked about it. Um, we think that with the, you know, the transition period that we're in because we didn't bring back Nick nurse. This is the time to, to kind of just shift to that younger generation. The idea of building, running it back with a different coach and seeing if the different coach can get something out of this team, I don't think is the right plan. Yeah. It clearly, you know, 
Nick is a is clearly a great coach. He he won an NBA Finals, right? Like you don't win the finals without being a good coach. And he clearly couldn't get this group to to gel cohesively. And so yeah, it's scary getting rid of a, a top 20 player in, in Siakam and, and resetting your franchise. But mediocrity is not enough for us anymore, man. It's just no. not. We don't we don't want to be there and you know, we are looking at age, right? That's the biggest thing that I think that both Matt and I agree on at this point is after Tampa, after the past couple of years, you know, stepping away from the culture that seemingly is not there anymore. When you think about the disconnect with the players, the coaches and everything that's going on, when that happens, you got to reset, you got to go young and you got to think about it. And yes, does that mean we could end up of the rappers of the past of the, you know, late nineties, the early 2000 rappers for sure. But again, I think our front office is a little bit smarter than the Vince Carter days, for example, or the Tracy McGrady situation, for example. And you look at what they've turned Grievous Vasquez into. You look at what they've learned from the Anthony Bargnani situation. I got a signed Bargnani jersey in, in, my, uh, in my closet over there that is probably never going to come out of there that my uncle gave to me randomly because that's how much worth it has, right? Like, yeah. we have to hope that they're going to make the right decisions and go in that young direction with their squad and... We can dream, man, and that's the beauty of, of what happened with these lottery balls is it might be coming true, man, speaking it into existence day by day. Yeah, especially because Charlotte at the number two spot, um, you know, they're definitely perplexed on whether to go with Brandon Miller or Scoot Henderson. And yeah. I could see that, you know, being being a difficult decision for them. They have a, a great guard in LaMelo Ball and um you know adding a ball dominant player like scoot henderson might be a perfect fit because he's a scorer and lamella's right. a passer it might also you know to take away from both of them and if you think that brandon miller has that potential to be a star which a lot of people do obviously you know yeah. he's not the third overall pick in a draft if they don't see that type of potential and he's the type of prototypical wing player that you like to build championships around right him and lamello could be you know a perfect pairing um, they really have missed Miles Bridges, right? Like, don't need to talk about him, but they've missed that pairing. They've missed the the lob threat that he provided. They were so good just two years ago. And seriously, you know, this year, yeah, LaMelo was hurt, but they completely fell apart. So I think that, like, that's definitely an option. And if Scoot's available at three, I think we have to make that trade. It's, I just, it's, it, it's, it's potentially the right call. And I enjoy that the conversation around trading for Brandon Miller doesn't really exist for the Raptors. I enjoy that simply because yes, he can have a lot of potential. He can have a lot of this and that, that would work with our team. He's a good shooter. He's definitely maybe not the best percentage wise, but we know he can knock down that three point shot. But at the same time, are there struggles here and there? Is this us just adding another prototypical wing player that we don't need? Right? Like, so where does the situation stand? It's it's why we want Scoot. It's why we think Scoot is the answer. I mean, we're not getting Victor, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, absolutely. And and Brandon Miller probably brings a little bit too much of what Scotty Barnes brings to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just for me, I think it's time. I think that you know this this team has had what four years since the championship to yep. to run through Siakam and and uh, Van Vliet and. You know, yeah, we had a great year after the championship. We still had Serge Ibaka and, and Marc Gasol. Um, then we had the Tampa season. Then we had a, you know, an over 
productive season last year. And then this year was objectively a disaster. Yeah. Um, with the pieces that we had, with the the continuity that we had, with the, you know, development that we should have seen from guys who are under 24, 25. Like, that's the whole point of having young players is that right. you think that your team's going to get better because they develop and everybody seemed to regress. So me, I think, you know, we, we turn it over to the young guys. We create a new culture of, you know, that young locker room where we don't have Siakam and Van Vliet who are like the the head of it. And I, I think that just, it, it makes our team that much better. I don't know how much we need to get rid of Freddie though, if we do get rid of uh, Siakam. Right. You think about fit, you think about form, all these different things. What Kyle was able to do as a veteran now asking Fred to recreate the success of Kyle Lowry and what happened with him is a very tall order. But this is where I think the conversation has to shift a little bit and we have to bring up Nick Nurse. We have to bring up, you know, the potential divide that happened in that locker room because the further out we get from his removal as our head coach, the more I'm starting to see the cracks, the more I'm starting to see the threads of unraveling that this season was, of him losing the locker room, of him losing the respect of a lot of players. And whether that starts with, because him and Siakam had a had a thing, whether that was at the early of this season or at the you know later end of last. I remember when they they were going at each other, and Siakam I think sat out a game, right? Like there is a lot going on, and whether or not Nurse being gone means that the front office goes, okay, that's the start of it. We're gonna slowly keep snipping away and finding refreshing points. That's what we're looking for. We want to see that restart to see Scotty come through. My fear is that the front office is going to go, well, Nurse is gone. He has such a suffocating type of system. We get a new coach in. You look at the contract situations, right? How everything really kind of opens up a year or two from now in terms of players that we're committed to, decisions we have to make on Scotty. And I'm afraid that they're going to hire a coach and run it back, right? How often at a trade deadline or an offseason have we heard, Raptors are involved in this, Raptors are going to do that. And then nothing really happens, right? So... This is where my fear comes in, Matt. Yeah, and I think that, like, we, we kind of have to throw those years out of the past, though. Yeah. Because I think Masai has shown that he's willing to to reset cultures, to swing for the fence. Um, You think about this Nuggets team and that, you know, Jamal Murray pick is the pick that he traded for in the Carmelo Anthony deal. Yeah. Right? So, and he drafted Jamal Murray. So, I think that there is a lot to like. Um, when it comes to our front office and, and to trust in them. And I think they will take a swing. I think that it's clear that, you know, Siakam and Van Vliet at the head of your team are a second round playoff team at best. And it's not like we've been losing to, to world beaters, right? right? Like last year we lost to the, the, the Philadelphia 76ers and, and what did they prove? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Uh, Joel Embiid won his MVP. Good for him. He was objectively bad in the playoffs yeah. especially for five of his talent um and then this year we lose to the chicago bulls because a girl is screaming in the crowd which which side note let's also <laughs> bring up the fact that you know demar Derozan was a bringing his daughter away game from making it so that this amazing miami heat run had no chance of actually happening i gotta bring that up really quickly like Who but knows? yeah we fell man we did and it was embarrassing yeah and I think that the the only thing that would tempt our our front office to bring it back um, is the fact that Miami has gone on this miracle run. 
and they were, you know, down with three minutes to go in yeah. the fourth quarter against Chicago. And the league is, is you know, becoming so tight at the, the margins that it is, you know, it could be a flip of a system. It could be, you know, pulling a little bit more out of, you know, XYZ player. And they think that we are closer than what we think they are. Because we think, Again, even with Siakam, yeah. I, I just don't see them. Maybe conference finals if they you know, had an awesome run, but I don't think Siakam's got that Jimmy in him. I don't think he, he does. I could be wrong. There's too much you know, Jimmy this never there. Did. There's too much this has to happen. This has to be perfect, right? That kind of lineup. And the, the other side of the coin I have with the hope for us going young is like Matt, Matt knows. I talk about how you know Masai is five, ten years away from going and running the basketball league that will be in Africa one day. This is his opportunity to do a quick reset, to have that five-year line of what can I do with Scotty? What can I do with insert draft pick here? What can I do with the under 28-year-olds, right? Because, you know, Siakam and, and Fred on, on the other side of that. So it really, it's it's really questioning offseason, right? Like, will Delano be coming back? The first ever Canadian draft pick for the Toronto Raptors doesn't have a contract yeah. right now going into the next few seasons and was not playing under Nurse. But we still believe that he could potentially do something for our team with a little bit of a little bit more leash ahead of him, right? And is Malachi going to have an opportunity? What are we going to do with the $8 million that Thad has, with the $6.3 million that Otto just re-signed to with his player option? Like, there's a lot of different directions to go. And we as Raptors fans are just, we're nipping here. We just, we want a little something, like throw us a bone, right? And the conversations around the fact that, you know, we are potentially talking with Portland. We are doing our proper due diligence and interviewing as many coaches as we can. Like, that's another big thing. Like, I think that the faith can still be there for the front office because we haven't had any rash decisions coming out seemingly. Yeah. And I know that like everybody wants like a new young head coach that doesn't have any experience potentially, or has just been an assistant in certain areas. But to me, like, I wouldn't mind a guy like Steve Nash. I know the, the media hates him. I know that, you know, it didn't end well with the Brooklyn Nets, but I mean, he had a pretty toxic team and Kevin Durant has now proved that maybe he isn't that type of guy to lead you to a championship. He's more of an AD than he's a LeBron. And that's got to be hard as the coach. And I, who knows if he calls plays and they, you know, shake off his plays. So I think that Nick or Steve Nash could, could be a great replacement for Nick Nurse. I think that he's proven that he's an, he's an offensive genius. And like you said, um, if like Griffin wants to stay around, we've got a defensive coach. And so they, they could tag team it and we might, you know, really build something and he could be a great developmental coach. Um, especially for a guy like Scotty, who, you know, they see the floor very well, both of them and right. maybe up that, that play playmaking ability that he already has in spades. Right. So it could be Nash. really nice. Nash is a great veteran presence just for his knowledge of basketball alone. And he obviously did something that excited the front office because the conversation is out there that he impressed us, you know, and Adrian Griffin is so funny. You know, I love, I love people online who don't understand. What do you, what do you mean? You still have a, an assistant head coach on your roster. You don't have a head coach. You have to hire a head coach. And then all this happened. It's like, no, he's been such a big part of our organization that he's interviewing for head coaching jobs here or there, but we're not going to get rid of somebody that, 
has been integral and at the end of the day you know people may have thought that nurse was a, a, a brash type of firing a rash decision but it was time to move on but with Adrian Griffin the potential is there for anything and you know we saw the the JJ Redick having an interview and I, and I like the idea of JJ being a part of things just because of his basketball knowledge but man JJ is way too way too uh, valuable I think in the sports media right now for them to be giving him up to anything else so you look at Steve Nash and it's growing on me Matt you know I'm, I'm trying to remove myself from the media narrative that was wrapped around the idea of Steve Nash because you know, you talk about how maybe Kevin Durant is the guy. My man, he had to coach Kyrie Irving, who straight up said, I don't need a coach. He's not. He doesn't need to make decisions. Like, we don't really need a coach in this team. Like, there was definitely more going on there than just being able to blame Nash for everything. Before they had a single practice that came out of his, out of his mouth. So when you have guys with that mentality already, how how easy is it to coach them? How easy is it to implement your system and to get them to run your offense? Um, I bet it's not. And so I think that like, you know, I'm sure we've even, you know, interviewed Griffin for the head coaching position. We know who he is. We probably don't really need to do a, a real formal right. interview. Um, but you know, like if he were to, to get pushed to the head coaching position and we were to add a guy like Steve Nash on the bench or a guy like JJ Reddick, but I, I, I agree with you that JJ's presence in sports media and his you know absolute like amazing takes and he's doing his podcast and he's on espn constantly i think that giving that up for an assistant role wouldn't be in the cards for him i think it's head coach or bus at the moment right and he might be you know like the next steve kerr he might be th that next great player uh player coach and it would be sad to miss out on him, uh, but I think Steve Nash could be a, a great fit for this I mean, this organization. It's still crazy to think that the conversation when Nash joined that team was, well, he's the next one. We had Steve Kerr. We had Nick Nurse. This is another coach that is going to come in and just be dominant from a rookie. And obviously that situation was pretty volatile. So tough happens. But for me, I think that if we do go really young and I think if we reset and it is Scotty's team and we bring in a guy like Nash, I think that's a really good combo that can mesh well together because these are just kids that are going to be able to be hopefully molded under a guy like Nash. Now, you and I were talking about Scotty and his, his attitude situations and we're, we're hoping that this was a wake-up call for him and that he really is going to take it seriously this summer and come back and if the front office does make these trades and allow him to be the face we're really hoping that he takes the offseason to do it right because it's it's the mentality of well i'm the big guy now maybe i don't have to work hard or i'm the big guy now i have to prove myself and that's what we're hoping to see out of scotty yeah we're hoping to get the the kid who understands that his raw talent and ability are good enough for you know 15 eight and seven or eight eight and six but if he was to push himself if he was to go that mamba mentality route i mean sky's the limit for him he could be a top five player if he wanted to be and i think that falling down the the under 25 the under 23 rankings list this summer you know they're coming out and he's below franz wagner and right. um all these other guys alprin sangoon and um, you know, guys that he was clearly better than last year. Yeah. Um, I think that 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 should also be a wake up call, but he needs to go in and he needs to put in the work. Um, and I understand that, you know, he's young, he's got 
so much money he can do whatever he wants but if he truly wants that legacy right he's 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 gotta he's gotta put in the work you think about like patrick mahomes and what he said like he's leaving money on the table he knows it but he cares about that legacy he wants that legacy and so like scotty want it man because uh, we all want it for you here in canada we all do we're rooting for it, right? And you can look at the yeah. example that the Spurs are now in right now to be able to reset and have the next Tim Duncan, right? Like, you want an example of somebody who just put the work in, grinded year after year to be great? Matt, how many people on the planet do you think actually know that Tim Duncan has five rings? You know, that actively think about the fact that Tim Duncan has five rings. And, you know, here, there, blah, 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 Popovich, whatever. Victor Wembignana is now going to be the first pick in this draft, has the potential to be generationally talented. And the Spurs lucked into it, but also he's probably going to work hard. He's going to continue that trend of dominance that we've seen out of players. And if Scotty wants to be the best player of his draft, like he proved, you know, in that rookie season, he can't just accept who he is, right? You can't just be Ben Simmons and DeAndre Ayton. You have to be Kobe. You have to be LeBron. You have to fight and want for it. Look at Shaq, man. Shaq could have been unreal. Instead, he was just slightly unreal, you know? That's just how it is in this in this NBA. No, man, you're, you're 100% right. Shaq was the most dominant player to ever play, and he could have been better. And he left he left it on the table. Now, luckily for Shaq, he was that gifted. Yeah. And unfortunately for Scotty, he's not as gifted as as Shaq. I mean, he's definitely gifted beyond belief, but you know, Shaq is a is a once in a lifetime, once in a hundred year type of guy. So I think that, you know, Victor Wembignana definitely has that potential to be dominant. His skinny frame does make me nervous oh yeah when you see um you know there was a the tournament between the u.s and france and kenny lofton jr the undrafted you know memphis guy who i thought was gonna have a good rookie season but they didn't really play him yeah literally dominating victor Wembignana because of his size and his ability to just knock him off balance yeah that makes you a little nervous but then you know he's 19 like he's got time to to fill out he's already you know massive so i think he's like probably seven six to be honest i mean you see him beside rudy gobert who's seven one and it's like like it's it's kind of scary but man i want to i want to go back to the draft lottery real quick because i had a funny moment where i almost tweeted out while watching it damn the spurs just got the first pick because they're they're introducing all of the people they're seeing everybody and everyone's just somber and then they talk about the spurs and the guy's like (laughs) just sitting there with a big smile on his face and i'm like oh Spurs won the lottery for sure because like they all know and they're all either way it's just it's kind of funny the way that they do it either way but yeah man we'll talk about the lottery for a couple minutes here if there's anything really interesting that comes to you because we we mentioned the most important thing right which is the fact that the Blazers moved up they got that third pick and they're actively looking to trade for it and Siakam OG they're probably the best two players at the moment that are on the market for it for sure yeah like if you want to look at the the other options available, I you know my, or Mikhail Bridges isn't available from the Nets. They want yep. to keep him. Um, Jalen Brown, you're gonna to have to give up a whole heck of a lot more than the third overall pick to get Jalen Brown from the Boston Celtics, mm-hmm. and that guts your roster, which probably doesn't mean you're a championship caliber team next year, especially with the West and the Denver Nuggets and um, the Phoenix Suns probably adding this summer. Um, and then you look around the league and you think to yourself like who is a comparable player 
to you know that caliber that they're looking for at, at the small forward position and you land on OG and, and Siakam. I I don't think that there are any other people that are available. I mean, that have that potential. Maybe Tobias, but you. Yeah. Maybe Chris Middleton if he, they want to move him. Like, he's you know hurt and like what the the Milwaukee Bucks are gonna punt on the season next year because they want the third overall pick. Right. No. Exactly. Um. Tobias Harris again, like he's proven that he can't even be a a, a third or fourth option yeah. on a championship caliber team. So, I mean, Siakam's the thing about the national media, especially in the because you know the national media is the state's media and specifically around basketball, is that they always leave out the Raptors. Siakam is a proven yeah. option to be a, the second best player on a championship team. He can take over games from that position. I think that him and Dame legitimately have a chance to make the Western Conference Finals next year if they're together. Yeah. I totally wholeheartedly believe that. And if you know it if it takes, you know, the 13th pick in Siakam to get the third and you know Jeremy Grant or maybe Hayden Sharp, like I'm in for it, man. Right. Like I think that we need to we need to reset and I think that's the way to do it. I think that that pick just fell for the Raptors. It's Man, just perfect. I, it, it just it was too happy for me the way the way that all worked out, right? And with the Hornets potentially, as we discussed, looking at Brandon Miller as the better fit. But you know, looking looking down the rest of this draft, it's it's kind of hilarious. You know, Rockets, poor Rockets. You know, Victor Wembanyama was excited when they were the first name to come out of the envelope and the real the real sad story Detroit you know 17 wins just to get fifth in the lottery you know it is what it is but most importantly the $500,000 draft pick for Dallas by sitting out Luke on that last game getting the 10th pick instead of the 11th pick they get to keep it Mark Cuban half a million dollars well spent my friend <laughs> hey man it was worth it because they need to add any type of talent around uh, around Luca, especially if uh, Kyrie's going to be headed to the Lakers. Man, I can't believe there's mock drafts already about that. I love how that's the conversation. Let's let's move forward. Let's get past the the coaches roulette because there's not much to say really. I want to I want to talk about how apparently the Wizards hired the Clippers GM to run their franchise is, is what we're hearing now. So maybe the Clippers are imploding and maybe Kawhi and PG are available to go to Portland with Dame. Like, uh, I don't know what's going on with the Clippers. <laughs> I would say PG um, is on Siakam's level and I wouldn't put him over Siakam's level because nope. he's proven nothing more than Siakam and he's been the co-star to Kawhi Leonard and they haven't won anything. Yeah, you exactly. could say injury but they had the healthy bubble season together and nothing came of it. They lost to Denver. So Siakam definitely would have pushed him over the edge. Um, it's a wild world that we live in where potentially we could have given up our entire franchise for Paul George and Russell Westbrook and been horrible. Like been ob objectively horrible. Dangerous times, right? Dangerous times. Yeah, but so glad. In, in terms of the coaches, like I don't think there's too much to talk about. You know, I'll, I'll bring us back at the end of the episode here really quickly when it comes to coaches. But there's a lot of coaches about jobs that are available right now. There's a lot of people on the market, and we're gonna see some really interesting things in a few weeks' time, and we'll discuss them as they come up for sure. But Matt, let's talk about these series. Nuggets, Lakers. Let's start with the sweep. Let's say, man. 
I don't know if anybody was expecting this, you know, just a week ago time to have a series where it was pretty competitive, pretty competitive most of the games. And, you know, we'll, we'll get into what LeBron did to, to at least, you know, prove his worth. But, man, the Nuggets 4-0 against this Lakers team who we thought was so versatile and was changing it up week in, week out. You just can't stop the Joker, Matt. That ended up being the story. That and uh, Mike Malone, man, um, not only did he prove that he's one of the best coaches in the NBA and far superior than a rookie head coach in Darvin Ham, who had a great rookie season as a head yep. coach, um, not not to throw shade on him, but he talking smack while he did it, playing the gamesmanship Dude. of knowing who they want to attack, who they're going to be targeting all series, and then telling the other team that we're coming after him and like almost daring them to keep him on the court like it was a master class from i from the head coach and from their two best players and to be honest man the thing is 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 Jokic was better than lebron and murray was better than ad and if you want to flip it around you know because you're saying lebron's technically the second best player or the yeah. second most important player on his team Jokic was demonstrably better than anthony davis it was clear to me from the onset of game one when he was dominating him. And AD was just like, eh, okay, you can dominate me. It's not like I'm, you know, one of the top, top five talents in the NBA. It's not like I have legendary defense. Right. Like, man, Jokic, what yeah. a monster. It was a sad series for like fans, it. but I got to circle back to Mike Malone real quick because like the GOAT series post-game pressers constantly some amazing lines. It was awesome. The game two, put that in your pipe and smoke it after talking about how, you know, after game one, everyone's going about, the Lakers have figured it out. Rui Hachimura on four plays. Like I, I'm, I'm so amped. You know, I, that was the first thing that I did after game four is I was like, I got to go see Malone in the post-game presser. And the line on Jokic, you know, the one, man, thinking about Jokic, 300 pounds, coming to tra training camp, you were, full, you were full of crap. If you thought this guy would be a two-time MVP, no, nobody was ready for it. But like giving his respect to his players and and the grind that they've been through, like you can tell that this like this dynamic is there. I, I was joking with Austin when we were watching Game Four that Mike Malone is uh, actually uh, part of the Fast franchise series. He's using the power of family to get his way to a title right now. You know, call him Mike Toretto, basically. But it's it's been really fun to watch this guy absolutely shred the media part for the disrespectful narrative that this team has gotten time and time again bro he shredded them so hard that these shows are now like talking about how they do only talk about the lakers and only do talk about like yeah. the big market teams and you know they've always known that they've always pushed that but i'm so happy that the nuggets are just shoving it in their face and like the best part is too is that Denver, a, like it's not a small market by any means. They've got like a bump in city, um, but the fact that it's a Canadian and a Serbian who are dominating the NBA, a forgotten Canadian right. who was disrespected. You know I respect Jamal Murray. I had him on an All NBA team to start the season. Yeah, I look foolish at the end of the season, but. Do I look right now? This man is an absolute killer when it comes to the playoffs. I think he's the closest thing to Jimmy Butler 
in a like you know regular season to playoff rise or performer this man is just unbelievably good when the chips are are on the line he is he's the man like he's just awesome and Jokic dominates the first three quarters so that's what you know they need and Joker, Joker, such he's such the centered presence, like the post game pressers of like giving him beat his respect, saying he deserves the MP, regardless of how we feel about it. Like Jokic will not disrespect anybody. He's such a nice guy. Just wants to go ride his horses and hang out. Like I mentioned it last week, when he stops playing basketball, we're never gonna hear from him again. But like we are witnessing unreal greatness like there when he gets in the hall of fame they're gonna have to go to some like mountaintop in the middle of serbia and like drag him off the mountain he's like i have to take horse buggy and carriage to get there that's the only way you're gonna have to do the ceremony here my like he's such a wholesome guy to come in and do what he's doing well also i'm sorry having the most triple doubles in a postseason run passing will surpassing that averaging a triple double through basically the playoffs at this point like bro dude the nuggets bro. are th- the nuggets and him are thanos they're unstoppable it's it's kind of scary what they've been capable of doing and not only is it like awesome and scary what they've been doing but this man doesn't want attention like the media and the nba promoters are trying to figure out how they can get him to do interviews how they can get him to like promote the nba through him and through his play and he's just like yeah, I don't care. I, I want to win championships, and that's about it. Like, I just want to be – I want to be great because I want to win. And I you got to love it, man. Uh, when players show out like that, like, it's it's unbelievable. And they've got pieces around them, man. You know, I know you want to talk about Aaron Gordon, KCP, Bruce Brown. Like, they have a nice, solid rotation of players to put around these guys and – it's all working out, man. It's just all coming coming together. It's it's criminal that the league let Bruce Brown join this roster as the shooter that he is. But yeah, you're right, man. Aaron Gordon, he he's the guy I want to discuss right now, really briefly, as like the last thing when it comes to this Nuggets squad. Because last week I talked about how, you know, compared to LeBron, he's not as versatile. He can't step up, blah, blah, blah. I'm right. LeBron is insane considering what he did. But Aaron Gordon, we're going to get to it. Give us a second here. But Aaron Gordon was the perfect role player in this series. He did exactly what he had to do. He cut to the rim constantly to make offensive plays while being a defensive juggernaut, whether he had to be switching onto AD or defending LeBron straight up. It was really impressive for a guy like Aaron Gordon, who let's not forget, used to be the man in Orlando, is a dunk contest mastermind and has decided to be able to settle into this perfect role in a team where he's probably going to get his ring now as a deserving very deserving starting player so i have to give aaron gordon a shot his flowers well he's he's the third third best player on that team i yeah. i know michael porter jr is the third option on offense but he's the third best player yeah and michael porter jr has made some huge strides defensively himself um so like to turn himself in from just a shooter and a scorer to like an actual mm-hmm. all-around player this team is is where it should be and i think you know, the sky's the limit for them. Last week, I was leaning that Boston would probably take them out. And I think that, you know, even if Boston got past the heat somehow, I still see the Nuggets, you know, being this dominant force. Um, Man, the LeBron game happened, and they still beat him. They still beat him. This man had 30 points at halftime on one leg. One He's of them. eight years old. One of the most dominant first quarter 
than first half performances I've seen out of a player. And I, and I, like Austin and I were watching the game. We were, we were we were eating chicken wings. We were watching at the bar. And I remember looking up the screen and going, "I'm sorry, he has 21 points." We're like six minutes into this game. I'm sorry, what? And then that was when I started just watching LeBron, trying to really pay attention, and it was insane. Like, he was playing as good as we've seen LeBron play in his career. That was a time capsule moment for him to come out and say, I am him. This is who I am. But the scary part is that he has to do that for 48 minutes to win games, to go all the way. And at 38 years old, and what will be 39 years old, that's a tall, tall task. And, and I think that it just kind of perfectly underscores who he's been his whole career. He has been that guy for 20 years, like you said. Yeah. And for him to win championships, for him to get deep in the playoff run, into the playoffs, it hasn't been, you know, because he's had great teams around him. It's been because of him. You know, you even think back to those, you know, Miami Heat days, and those are the most dominant teams that he's been on. But Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh were, what, fringe top 30 players top 20 players yeah you know like Dwayne Wade being a little bit higher than Chris Bosch at the time so like that he never had that you know you know amazing running mate that you can say was definitively in the top 10 yeah and AD was supposed to be that guy and you know he had it for a season and yeah completely fell off so yeah there's anyways man a lot of questions for the lakers but let's get into this series that game five is happening tonight miami man we sat here last week and we thought to ourselves it's an insane run that miami's happening but now's the real test they're about to hit the on paper team that's gonna put them to bed and then they won three straight games and you're going i'm sorry jimmy what what's going like it has been so fun to watch but so scary at the same time the the crazy thing is is we haven't even had, like, a huge Jimmy game. Like, yes, yeah. Jimmy's been fabulous, but he hasn't been, like, a 40-point-per-game score. It's coming from Gabe Vincent, who's out tonight, so that could be a, a big swing. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bam bio, Duncan Robinson, Kyle Lowry's been pitching in. Like, they're getting it from all their players, and Boston is just looking outclassed when it comes to the coaching match, unfortunately. And hopefully, you know, they, they've taken it upon themselves that they're making the decisions now. They're at the helm. They're the ones who are dictating how this is going to run. And they're just going to play their game because they're, man, I'm, I was telling you earlier, there was a play yep. in the start of that third quarter of game three when the, the Heat are going on a run to, to bring it back and to, to get the advantage. And you just see on Jason Tatum's face the, the abject hatred for the play that they're about to run because he knows yeah. it's not him that they're running a play and it's going to be swung around and somebody else is going to get a shot and he's like but i'm that guy call that play for me i'm the one who has to stop this run and in game four he proved it yeah. he stopped every single one of their runs anytime that he got up he came out and he said no 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 let me show you how it's done and that's why like I understand everyone saying Jimmy's the better player. Yeah. I'm, I'm not too sure. I'm not. It, it's a it's a tough battle right now, and Celtics fans have their hopium now. They got that game for a win. The Celtics actually played like they're supposed to, showed up in a game, and won it. And now the real test comes, because as you mentioned, yeah, we haven't had a Jimmy night. We haven't had a 40, 50-point performance from Jimmy that is probably coming tonight. Let's be honest. 
Jimmy's probably going to go out tonight and kick some ass. Let's let's be real here. When you think about the fact of that you know, he's going to be missing what Gabe has been doing for them, right? You think about the yeah. fact that Kyle Lowry can only do so much at the age that he's doing. I love Bam, but as we've seen in the past, he can just suddenly disappear. I don't think he's going to. I think he's. I think he's really found his rhythm and his situation in this team, and I think Spolstra can keep keep him alive with what Jimmy's able to do. But it's going to come down to the rest of the guys, right? Caleb Martin has to be great tonight. You know, they have to be seeing a lot. But if they can support Jimmy's forty, you know, thirty-five, forty piece that he's probably putting up tonight with a good all-around performance and have good defense. The Celtics are on an uphill battle, which they've been for the past little while. And you know, you know, I mentioned it last week. This team has been around at you know the top of the East for the past few years, and it's kind of insane that they've been battling themselves the whole time, right? Like if certain things had have just figured themselves out, if Doc was the coach he was supposed to be, and they didn't have this relay. Heck, if Ime didn't do what he did, like this team might just be on top and be unstoppable. And that's why the fact that they're down three-one right now isn't the end of the world, even though it absolutely should be. It's, I think this team is proving that like, you know, media narrative does really get into their heads. Yeah. Um, you know, when they're the underdog, when they're the backs against the wall, this team comes out on fire. Jason Tatum plays like a monster. Jalen Brown is there for the, for this squad. But when they're the nine point favorite that they are tonight, that's when they typically play poor yeah and so it does seem to me like they're probably not gonna have an amazing game tonight because the the media is is dubbing them as you know the team that can do it the team that can come back from 3-0 down they have the talent advantage they have home court game seven is going to be at home game five is at home like they can do this and it's i think it's going to be a major letdown and to see Jimmy kind of chuckling at the end of, you know, game four, I, I think you're 100% right. He knows he he's dropping 50 tonight. He's going for it. You know, he's going for the kill. And I don't think there's a better killer in this league than than Jimmy Butler. Not not right not now. Currently. Not in the current, you know, FOMO situation. Not with how the vibes are going on. And, I mean, you have to love the situation that, you know, we've been in. The Grant Williams, Jimmy, like, back and forth. Right. Like that was a great moment. Like shout out to Grant for actually showing up and playing well, while barking, because as much as maybe that's why they lost the game, which isn't because Jimmy didn't destroy them. Everyone else was destroying them as well. Jimmy was just the catalyst that enables all of that to happen. And when you piss off the catalyst, you're going to you're going to get destroyed at that point. But he's you know, he actually has that fire in him. And, you know, the big thing for Grant Williams he didn't dodge out on the media. He went to the media after game three. He talked to them. He wasn't a little baby like a certain uh, a certain grizzly that we've talked about in the past, right? Like, shout out to the Celtic squad for having, you know, a little bit of spine here. And whether that is the fact that they've all decided, Joe Mazzulla, we don't care about you anymore, for him yeah. to come out in game three and say, yeah, there's a disconnect right now. I don't know what's really going on. Like, you know, Matt, are we about to watch a team potentially come back down from 3-0 go into an NBA finals and then fire their coach still like this is some scary situations in Boston look man um I think if they get through it they can definitely keep him as head coach I think even like winning this game and like him having this year under his belt like hopefully he's the he's young and he's fresh to to coaching so you know, this is a, a great learning experience for him and he's willing to, you know, hopefully right. change up his systems and, and learn from his mistakes. Um, 
but yeah, man, I think like they're they're totally getting outclassed, and he wasn't supposed to be the coach. No, you know, and if Ime wasn't going to be the coach, they probably would have liked Will Hardy, but Will Hardy left, so they're stuck, you know, kind of with Joe Mazzula, who has a great relationship with Brad Stevens, and he wasn't even on the 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 first line of the bench last year. He was a second row bench guy, and. It's just, you know, it's it's a tough situation for him. And he d- did a great job this season. That's why they gave him the contract extension, yep. right? Like, you don't give that guy a contract extension in the middle of the season and make him the head coach and and completely open the door for, for Ime to go to the Rockets if you didn't think that he had it in him. So right. it's a tough one, man. But I totally think that the players need to just do what they feel um, because – you're out there, you're battling. And if I was a coach, man, and I could feel that, I would let it happen because I think they're going to respect you more next year Yeah. because you let them do their thing. You let you set, you felt the tension and you were man enough to step back and say, you know what, if you guys want to do this, like I have full faith in the players that you are. That's the so, thing. And, and I'm looking at this game, right? And I'm like, if they're going to beat Jimmy, if they're going to do it, Tatum has to be unreal. But you know what I think is is the even more important thing? I think Tatum also has to have momentary deferrals to Jalen Brown. I think the best case scenario for this game is a hard-fought game where Jason Tatum puts up 50 to match Jimmy Butler, but Jalen Brown hits the dagger three to win the game so that the cohesion still stays together because we know how these heads are about these players, how they've been absolutely battling each other, and there's things here or there, and... Jalen Brown is a big figure when it comes to, you know, a personality in the NBA field. So there's a lot going on. And it's crazy to think that the conversation we're having now about the Boston Celtics could be one way, this way, that way, the other way, this time next week, because this is a big defining moment for them. And if they can do this, if they can pull off this historical upset, it'll be good for them against the Nuggets. They'll definitely have a good feeling, but it's almost inevitable when you think about how good this Nuggets team is going to be, regardless of which team comes out. Yeah, man. And you know what? Like everybody's saying that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown don't fit together, that they're two big wings. And like, you can't compare, compare them to to Dwayne Wade and LeBron James or Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan, because they're not that caliber of player. These guys are 26 and 27 years old. If they break through this Eastern Conference Finals and they break through the Nuggets, let's say, and they win the, the finals, yep. who's to say that they're not going to go down as as just as good as Dwayne Wade, as just as good as, as Scottie Pippen and, and Michael Jordan and LeBron? Like, you know, Tatum has that opportunity right in front of him. Yep. If he can break through, if he can go on to win multiple finals and finals MVPs, who's to say he can't be a top five player of all time? He, he's got the stats. He's got the right. game. So, like, I think we're all premature to call it dead, and we're all premature to, to anoint them. Yeah. Um, and we, just, we have to let it play out, man, because I, I honestly think that this this is the best roster in the NBA. I truly believe that. Yeah. Um, and the Nuggets being, like, right there. And I think, like, right there. Um, I didn't realize how close they were, but I'm – my eyes are open now. Well, that, it's why you open. wanted, it's why you had Denver and Boston in your finals because you, you looked at these teams and you realized the options, the opportunities they have. And I just like, I look at Missoula against Malone and I'm scared that he's going to get out, he's going to get masterclass. But I guess if you can get through Spolstra, Again. you can get through anybody, right? Like, especially a reverse 3 <laughs> 0 against Spolstra. Like, it's tough. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely tough, man. But you know, like, 
for my prediction, man, I'm I'm picking the Heat tonight. I I just I'd love for Boston to come back. I'd love for my finals prediction to happen, but I just I can't see it. And I I really feel bad for the Heat or for the Celtics, but the Heat they're gonna they're gonna take them out. I I think that Jimmy game's coming in. I can I can just see the post game presser of Jimmy. He was like, you know, after Game Three, the Celtics came out and they said, "Don't let us get a win." I figured, hey, let's let it happen and, and see what you know what what might happen. like. Jimmy's got that dog in him, so yeah, I w- I wouldn't be surprised if the Heat came out tonight. Me, look, I, I got a prediction right last week, so I wanna I wanna stay away from the games. I I wanna let the basketball gods let the games do what they do without feeling like they need to spite me. So I'm going to have a little fun here. Let's talk about these coaches and where they're going to end up. So my most exciting option, I think, is Doc Rivers ending up in Detroit. I think it's a great opportunity for him to have a young roster and then in 10 years maybe get to lose another 3-1. Would be pretty great, but I don't think Doc is going to one of these major teams. The rumors about Phoenix? Nah. Phoenix already fired a coach in Monty that was good at getting a team to the second round. Doc would be a mistake there. Phoenix, I think, is where Nurse is going to end up. The dream of Bucks and Nurse. I just don't think it's going to come together i just i don't i one i don't want it i would have done it already that's the thing right this is where i'm at and so nurse to phoenix is what i'm thinking i think that kevin durant under nick nurse seeing how that defensive system could aid devin booker in that roster would be really interesting so uh, that's kind of where i like to go plus it puts him in the west so we don't have to think about it all the time and then philadelphia okay so Philly is like, we're going to pay money. We want a good coach. So that's why I got Monty Williams, you know. He's proven that he can do some things. And they moved off of Doc Rivers. And Monty is just his replacement, as I previously mentioned over there. And we got to talk about the Bucks. last but not least. You know, there's a coach by the name of Kenny Atkinson who kind of got ignored after his Nets tenure. He was with the Bulls, I think, for a while. Nets, I, I'm looking at this Bucks team, and they haven't made a decision yet. I think they're going to be falling behind and miss out on a coach and going to try to scramble at the end. And whether that means Giannis might end up in Toronto one day, hey, the dream might still be alive. Hey, man, Kenny had done a great job with that Nets roster with a lot less talent. So, I, you know, I can see it. He got them to, to build like a family, to play like a family. And like you're saying, man, Mike Malone or Michael Malone using that <laughs> Michael Toretto – <laughs> don't Family, baby. don't Family. be calling him Mike. Only Michael. You know you gotta you gotta be specific. But yeah, those are my those are my dartboards into the wind of the coaching hires in the future. We'll see if I get Oprah uh, four or four for four. Who time will tell? Who knows? Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, man, I think you're good to wrap us up. Perfect. Well, thanks everybody for being here. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at the Board Sports. Like, subscribe, give us that thumbs up. Check out theboardsports.net for new episodes and blog posts. And we'll talk to you next time. <laughs>